Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello mate, how are you? Andy from MyFootballBook.com and welcome all to our new project, Book Corner. We're going to talk about that in a short while, but I want to talk about you first, Andy. How you started (laughs) your Twitter and your Facebook page of MyFootballBooks.com and the merchandising and your website. So for the first five or five or ten minutes, let's talk all about you. So I'm going to do no work. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let you <laughs> rattle on. <laughs> I would try my best. So well, firstly, thanks for obviously inviting me on. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, to be understated to say it's a privilege because I know obviously you speak with uh, you know, the likes of Terry Curran and obviously Alan Hudson, etc. You know, it's uh, quite a privilege to talk to you as well. So thanks for inviting me. But yeah, so in terms of myself, uh, I wish I had an interesting backstory as them two people. But um, uh, yeah, it's the book, my football book started as a, I don't know if you call it a project, but it's essentially, actually, if you went to my website, I put a bit about, about us or about me when, when I first started. It was essentially... It was back in March and April when obviously COVID kicked in <laughs> and um, I was basically furloughed from our company. Uh, and um, it's crazy when you think back in what now, what is it, 18 months about, etc. and all the uncertainty around that. And um, obviously being a big fan of football books anyway. Um, I was fond of myself, a bit, I had a bit more time basically to do a bit more reading. Uh, and... Um, and essentially, how the how the next bit goes is literally, as my wife says quite often, I was sitting there on my phone looking for another book <laughs> to read. Because I just finished, I think I just finished The Age of Football. I remember it clearly, actually, uh, by David Goldblatt. Brilliant book, by the way, epic book, a big chunk of a book, about four hundred pages. And she said to me, "Do you need another football book? Another football book?" <laughs> And it just made me start thinking because she was saying, where, where are you looking anyway for these books, recommendations? And that's what just got me thinking, oh, okay, because the way I've done it before, probably like lots of other people, you go through your social media, Twitter, you look at what's on online, whether you're Amazon, Waterstones, etc. And it just got me thinking, why don't I try and do something that I think would be of interest to others and try and put them in one area, really? And that's kind of where it kind of evolved from. It is a starting point, Gabby. Uh, and, yeah. And that's of, how we got to, yeah. A lot of projects have started uh, via COVID. I think it's, yeah. um, it is the age of the, the silicon chip. And if we go back to <laughs> the time that I love to reference and look at the 70s, the silicon chip probably was invented. But uh, in Apple, <laughs> we had no computers. So it wouldn't have worked then. But... All the all the stars have aligned and it, it's opened up a whole new ball game, literally. And 
And yeah. I'm absolutely loving your project because it is a, a project. Um, do, is it, do you sell, because me and TC do talk about you on our, yeah. um, our podcast, The, the Current View. Listening. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, Book Corner is a feature that, that we have on there. And it's all organically grown. And I've connected with you. You've retweeted yeah. stuff. And I love what you do. So it really has just grown from that. A couple of retweets and shares on Facebook, etc. Do yeah. you, TC said to me, ask Andy. Gabby, you've got to ask Andy. Where you've got your website and you've got yeah. all the recommendations for your books, can yeah. people go there and buy it from you and you earn some corn from it? Because I noticed <laughs> that when you touch the the book and you try and put it into your, your cart, it tends to go to Amazon. So what's yeah. the crack there? Can you monetize it is what I'm saying? Because both me and TC reckon you should be able to. Yeah, well, you, you can. Uh, to be quite clear, this is very much a hobby. Uh, yeah. And I, look, I enjoy it. You know, this is very well. I know a lot of people, you know, things like with the projects we get involved, because you love it. You love the you love the subject, don't you? You're involved yeah, you in. So uh, it certainly doesn't, uh, you know, pay for a mortgage or anything yeah. like that. So well, basically anything I do, let's say, uh, you want to say earn, is pretty much to cover any costs of yeah. hosting the website. But essentially... Um, so Amazon, for example, you you have like an Amazon affiliate. So where you uh, you get like a certain percent of when books are sold through your links, etc. Yeah. But and I'm talking pennies. I really am talking pennies. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I don't really do it for that. It's a bit of an yeah. odd one. I don't. I've obviously I'm not. I don't do it for the money. Yeah. Uh, at all. Um, you know, I got the satisfaction that someone might uh, enjoy the book because they seen it on the website or see you know and seen it recommended um but what i do also do is obviously promote other book publishers through the yeah. website so it's not just amazon links uh i will also promote um obviously the likes of pitch publishing are excellent uh, and lots of others are out there so i'll use their links as well so uh pen and sword books is one that i've come across fairly recently got some excellent old books um they've got um I like my history as well, so the history of football. Obviously, 70s is a great time and further back, et cetera. So, uh, um, but what I have done recently is to try and, I suppose, not so monetize it or anything like that. I've, I've done things like, again, people contact me about do you, your, your mugs. Do you, do you actually sell mugs? Yeah. And then they just, I thought, okay, if someone might have been interested in buying a book, uh, mug, I'd, I'd promote that, you know, um, sorry, sell that as like a gift and bookmarks, et cetera, and things like that. So it directly, no, I don't sell books at all, but I'm in there very much to promote books. You know, that's why I don't, yeah, any book across. I mean, there's so much range, as you well know, Gabby, in terms of subject areas. It's, it's yeah, fascinating. Um, oh, it's it's an yeah, enormous, it's enormous yeah. range <laughs> of books that we have out there. In the yeah. uh, well, in the ether of football books, <laughs> you know, I mean, it used to be. Well, I suppose I mean it started off in after the war, really, didn't it? And pros that were retiring started writing books. You got yeah. Charles' book, and we covered Charles on Time Vault in this uh, month's. Uh, sorry, this week's 
podcast The Current View, I didn't realise that he co-founded the Footballers' Writers Association. So, you know, it's all kind of developed and then, you know, things happen and you have the biographies, the autobiographies, then there's lots of podcasters that are writing books, etc. So we're going to talk about all of that. I love your icon. So I guess in essence to the question that TC uh, levelled at you, if people go subscribe, because I've subscribed to your myfootballbooks.com, and then purchase from your site, then financially it gives you a little bit of corn, whereas if we just go directly to Amazon, you don't get anything. So it's beneficial to you for us to direct any inquiries of any book towards your website and buy it off yours rather than just go to Amazon. And does that, do yeah. you have to have a PayPal account or does that Amazon take it out of, of of how you usually purchase books from Amazon, but just through you, you as a third party? Yeah, you have, like a, you have an account that's kind yeah. of set up with you and Amazon, so you get, like, your, like say, it's very, as, as authors will know, uh, authors out there will know, you make very little in books. You do yeah, really do, yeah. you literally do do it for the fun and love of it. Yeah. You know, I'd love to call myself an author at some stage, but, uh, but um, yeah, you do it for the love of it. But, yeah, that's essentially how, um, but, yeah, not, not everyone wants to use Amazon as well, I guess. I understand, yeah, I only recognise that, understand that, not... Others will use, yeah, because I, you know, I'd always encourage people obviously to go to your local local books shop as well. I do as well myself. So uh, it's easy though, yeah. Andy, isn't it? Just to yeah. go onto your. It can be online, website. definitely. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. that's how I do. I, I go online and I buy the books. I just find yeah. it so much easier these days, and and I see so many books that you've promoted. You talked about your your mugs. I love the icon there. It's nice and simple. <laughs> My football books. It's a little football yeah. as well. It, I, it's just a. It's eye catching, and when you see that on the over the socials, you look at it, and it really is a striking icon. So, did thank you, you. Did you design that? I did. I did actually. Well, yeah, good. it was. It was very. I don't know if it's a play on words, but I was thinking um, when I was thinking in terms of the name of the website, and I was thinking something to do with football books, and I was thinking. You know your football book, and I just thought my football books, and it's I suppose it's like my my football books that I've read or you know share with others, and then people build their own libraries, and so they've got their own version of my football books. And but the logo is that I always love the football, the classic football is the is the uh, Adidas. Oh, it's gone from my head now. The, the old World Cup ball. That's it, the tango. That's it. Yeah. So I mean, that's what it is. The little tango there, and we're just a little. Uh, yeah, a little kick, I suppose, using the lines from the the Y on the my, etc. And yeah, it kind of. I'm not. A, you can, I'm not a, uh, a marketing or anything like that. <laughs> it just come to me one day, and uh, more more. I thought I'd look at it, and she played around with it, and uh, yeah. And my daughter got involved as well, actually. So uh, yeah, you're welcome. My seven year old daughter, my seven year old daughter wants to have a look at it as well. So uh, congratulations, <laughs> combination of things. To all because it's it's a fantastic <laughs> icon. People pay Thank thousands you. to get icons like that. Uh, wow. and I, think it's, I think it's fantastic. You also Thank do you. Uh, a monthly newsletter, don't you? We're going to yes. get onto that a little bit later because I want to yeah. talk about some of the books that, that are coming out. Because as the clocks go forward and the television yeah. 
uh, gets better. So do the books as well, because I think that they realise that us oldens that read books, because kids don't read books, they just go online and do what they do. And I think the, <laughs> the the memory span of a kid is probably akin to a goldfish. But us older fellas, we like to read the books because we like we like to pick up a book. I've got a book in my hand here. Yeah. In fact, yeah. it's uh, Busby Shankly Steen. Uh, the Makers of Modern Football, The Three Kings by Leo Monaghan, which is oh, one book. of your yep. recommendations to Book yeah. Corner. Now, I'm not the greatest of readers, and uh, you did talk about you read a book recently, and the books are coming out fast and furious in October. So a little bit later in the podcast, we're going to be talking about some of the new releases. But yeah. How many books do you read? I must admit, I'm the worst reader of books because I buy books. My missus will say, you're buying another book that you're never going to read. And she's absolutely <laughs> true. But I do that many yeah. podcasts and I use them for references mainly. So I love to buy the books. Yeah. I get a thirst to buy the books, but I rarely read the books. Now, <laughs> you read them, you buy them, you promote them and you read them as well, don't you? How many books would I you do. read uh, in, say, a, a month or or a 12-month period? I, I probably would say I'd at least read one book a week. Really? I'd say, yeah, probably maybe, maybe, one, maybe one every fortnight. I, I suppose it depends on the thickness of the book, of course, as well. I think I referred to earlier on Age of uh, Football by David Goldblatt, which uh, if you've ever seen it, his first book was called The, uh, the Ball is Round. These are epic books. So that's something that's going to take a longer than a, a week or so to read. <laughs> but I quite often I can finish a good book in t- maybe two, three, maybe four sittings. Um, but I wonder maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. Once It depends a lot <laughs> You know, obviously, how much time you got on your hands, etc., as well. So, uh, but I probably, yeah, a maximum maybe a couple of months, etc. So, Blimey, yeah, Andy, it's for me it to makes me sound like I've got a lot of time on my hands, but uh, I suppose that's just my. I've since been a young age, I've always enjoyed reading. So, anytime I'm not, I've watched TV. You know, I've, I've watched documentaries, like say on Netflix, tend to be football related, yep. but uh, but otherwise. Uh, yeah, I've always enjoyed just reading. So I think it's just, you know, when you're uh, late at night kind of thing or, you know, a weekend when you've got a bit of time in your hands, i am generally got a book in my hand. Well, the last time so, I read a yeah. book <laughs> in a week, it had got crayons attached to the, to the magazine. Because <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have been a book, it would have been a magazine. I'm, yeah. I'm absolutely, wow. Do you do? Well, that's where I started from for your magazines. Because I remember as a young kid, when I was what ten years old, I used to love like Shoot magazine, Match magazine, and you know, and that's where I started. I used to, I used to always love reading the Sunday papers as well. You know, because I still do. You know, um, there's something about holding a book as well, isn't there? Different yeah, there is, to, I know you can read Kindle, uh, Kindle etc., but I think holding a book is so much more. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, personal, about it? it. It's like when we Definitely. were kids, we used to go to the record sh- uh, shops and we used to buy vinyl. We had a, a yes. physical yeah. copy in our hand. We owned that record and we looked yeah. forward to going out. And but I mean, now obviously you can, you, again, you can buy them online. But I just think there's nothing better than holding the physical copy in your hand yeah. rather than just having something that it's here today, gone tomorrow. And my missus will always say, "Why don't you take the books to um, a charity shop?" <laughs> Are you having a laugh? <laughs> 
I don't give away football books. I keep keep all my football books. Do you do reviews as well of the football books that you read? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't do as much as as I used to. When I first started the website, to be frank, I had a bit more time on my hands as well. So, uh, and I think I enjoy doing the reviews um, uh, and just, yeah, and and putting them on the website. But they do take a bit of time, to be honest, Gabby. So uh, I don't tend to do as many as I used to. Because uh, I, I like, the more time I'm writing and you know um, writing up a book review, it's less time I'm actually reading. Yeah, so it's a little bit like that. So uh, uh, I I I always say that to anyone listening as well, if I ever want to do a book review, I'm happy to share that through the website. Yeah. And I know uh, I've had a couple of people, and I do share them um, their book reviews as well. So because uh, uh, that's it's the great good sharing, you know, in terms of. Um, other other recommendations from other people, and that's what I try to do through the, you know, through the social media as well, and interact with people. Because I want to find out what, you know, what books do they are they reading at the moment? What do they enjoy? Yeah. What do they like, etc. So, but yeah, I don't do as many as book reviews as I have did do, but um, yeah, I have done them in the past. Depends. If it's a book I'm really looking forward to, I probably would do a review on it as well. So, uh, what was the last yeah. book that you purchased? The last book I purchased. Yeah. Would be it would be uh, Soul and Glory. Oh, okay. Uh, it's um, well, I say it's book. It's more of a picture book actually. It's a pictorial one. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's Soul and Glory. It's uh, English football from the nineteen fifties and got to the nineteen eighty nine. So yeah, it uh, yeah, yeah, it's it it's wonderful, the tape, doesn't it? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So English, yeah, English football. I've got it here in front of me. Nineteen fifty to nineteen eighty nine, and. Uh, Oh, it's brilliant, absolutely wonderful images, and it really takes you like on a, a bit of a tour through history from football, and you see how much it's changed because there's obviously there's no doubt it's dramatically changed since 1992 and the Premier League <laughs> when it started. Uh, don't talk to me yeah. about the Premier League, and don't talk to me. We don't <laughs> talk about that. We're talking about old books. Although I've yeah. got to say, Troy Deeney has got a book out, uh, Redemption, today. Uh, that comes out yeah. today, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah so, uh, it does. You know, all joking aside, I, I, I do I do love the, the modern game as well. But what I don't like about the modern game and the modern Sky TV and match yeah. of the day is that yeah. it tends to just focus on the now. And I think that for the now is great and the future yeah. is great. But I think yeah. you always have to recognise the past because without the past, you have no present and you have no future. And those players of today and of tomorrow, yeah. they they need their inspirations, and that comes from players of the past. And and I did note that when Jimmy sadly passed away, they did yeah. put up um, uh, posts of Jimmy Greaves on yeah. Match of the Day and Sky Sports, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And there was the all-time top 10 goal scorers from the get-go to now. Yeah. And I thought that was fantastic because the likes of, there's only three players that scored over 300 goals. The great Jimmy yeah. Greaves, the great Steve Bloomer and the great Dixie Dean. And I think yeah. that we should always remember our past Definitely. heroes. And that's why I love books and that's why I love doing what I do because I'll always reference them star players. Even though they may be players that I've never seen play, they may have passed away before I was born, but they're yeah. still part of that football journey. And I think it's oh, so absolutely. important to pay respect to those players. 
Definitely, and some of the wonderful stories. Even that the the one of yeah just recently bought Soul and Glory, yeah. and I think that's it's great title for the book. And you just even through looking at some of the images, and you get that through words as well. I do when you're reading words, you get a feeling in terms of how football, you know, is very very different, wasn't it, then, uh, in terms of uh, their connection with the fans, etc. And you know, I even I just a, a book comes to my mind as you were talking then. Uh, called um, When Footballers Were Skint by John Henderson. Yeah. Yeah. And it talks about um, how literally the players, you know, at the end of the game, they get on the bus and you know go back home with the fans, you yeah. know, on that bus travelling home. You know, it's completely different to nowadays. And, uh, you know, you couldn't imagine sitting next to Ronaldo or something like that, could you, on the, on the bus home after a game at Old Trafford. But, uh, again, that's just how way football's changed, isn't it? So, uh and I don't fault modern footballers, you know, if they're, they're giving this money, aren't they? You know, if someone wants to pay them ridiculous amounts of money, then, you know, good on them, really. So, uh, but it's it's obviously changed greatly, hasn't it? So I echo what you're saying, absolutely. Absolutely. And you think and of, um, yeah. I've interviewed so many players of the past and yeah, wouldn't change the era that they played in for anything. And, and mainly yeah. my focus of attention is the 70s. And there is yeah. a player that that played in the 70s that retired, that could actually retire, retire. Because football is yeah. a short career and they're only in the 30s. And some players, I've just done a recent one with Brian Little, who has a book coming out, uh, My Aston yeah. Villa. And Brian retired, yeah. of course, at the age of 27. So he yeah. lives to 87. He's got 60 <laughs> years. You can't live yeah. on what he earned at Villa for 60 damn years. They They've always had... That grounding football players of yesteryear, I'm not convinced yes. that the modern player has got that grounding and going forward will always have that grounding because they earn so much money. They, they're yeah. so far um, out of touch with the, with the modern, well, with, with the working man that, that fundamentally you, used to follow the game of football. And I think you're right. And that's probably where I do books enjoy most, yeah. um, you know, is the ones where you do feel that connection, can't you? You mm-hmm. can kind of share that kind of story. You can share the... Oh, I can picture that. You can picture in your mind what they're talking about, etc. Because you've kind of been there, haven't you? Yeah. Etc. So, um, but it's a bit different to, I don't know, reading some, uh, you know, footballer nowadays. It's when they're talking about how their lifestyle. It's mm. just it's miles away from your your man or woman in the street, isn't it? So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. I must admit, I wouldn't buy a book from a modern football player. I mean, my favourite mm. player at the moment is Jack Grealish. If a book come out about Jack tomorrow, I wouldn't buy yeah. it. I wouldn't yeah. buy it. He's a twenty-six-year-old kid. He's and if he does, leave, and if he does, I'd leave it to him. He's the, the books, in, in my experience, players as well when they do, they write an autobiography when they're still playing Don't. or just finished playing. Yeah, it doesn't tend to have the depth of uh, ones where they've you know left it for a few years. Yeah. There is a few exa- uh, exceptions to that, uh, but most the best autobiographers I can think of is when they've left. Yeah. Because also you don't have any of that baggage and because some is a little bit, you can't, you've got to be careful what you're saying. And you're still in football, <laughs> you know, you don't want to offend yeah. too many people saying that you read someone like Roy Keane in his two box. He, he couldn't care less. He was very much, he writes very much how he, he is as an individual. So he didn't mind who he upsets. And I know he still wants to get him back to management from what I gather. But, uh, but yeah, I think, um, I think just sorry, just in autobiographies in general, just leave it till your career's finished. Because that's an interesting bit as well to see what they've done when they've finished that bubble of playing, 
what they've gone on to do next. Yeah, I mean, when I'm yeah, when I'm reading a football book again, not that I read that many. I have loads, but I don't read many. But for me, it's all about yeah, it's all about the football. And um, a book I'm going to just mention here is one of my podcast podcast partners, uh, Alan Hudson, the Working Man's Ballet. I mean, Alan yeah. started writing that in 1980. It'll kill me now. I think it was, well, it wasn't in 1981 because it was on his uh, 31st birthday that he started to pick up the pen while he was in his his house in uh, in Seattle, in Bellevue, in Seattle. And he just yeah. decided to start writing an autobiography. He put it down for many years and then picked it up and carried on writing it. But, but he thought that he was going to, finish his career and stay in Seattle forever. It was a, a place, yeah. he's, you know, he says in his book, and he's told me on many occasions, you know, he was born to play in America. He absolutely loved and adored America. But, you know, you read the book, The Working Man's Ballet, and mm. it's just as though you're reading it as Alan Hudson is writing it. You know, he yeah. describes games, and you're almost on the pitch playing the game of football yeah. alongside Alan Hudson, and and those are the books that that you that I connect with, and you almost fall in love with the character, or you feel yeah. that you know that that closeness to that. You can character. always smell it. You can always smell it when they talk about the change yeah. room, don't they, and things like that. Yeah. That kind of that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, lots of football players have ghost writers that writes yeah. the book with them. But Alan Hudson wrote all that on his on his Todd. I mean, he's a very, very intelligent man. He's very, just yeah. as articulate with a pen as he was a genius with his feet. And, and, and he's he brilliant had, to listen yeah, to as well, isn't oh, it? He's, he's Some of his stories. I was hearing his story on your recent podcast about Jimmy Greaves. Yes. Uh, Jimmy Greaves was sharing a story, wasn't it, about how when he met with uh, Bobby Moore, did he jumping over the wall? Yeah. Um, oh, just some great stories. Really great. But uh, Alan, Alan tells so many great stories. <laughs> it's a joy doing the podcast with Uddy. I mean, he's so funny. I mean, yes. he doesn't try and be funny. He just is funny. <laughs> I mean, they're gen- genuine belly laughs that we do. <laughs> and And he does a lovely writing daily. Because uh, he's yeah. always blogging on his uh, on his website, um, yeah. and and it's it's no well, I suppose it's no. I don't know what the word I'm looking for here because Odi always says I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but <laughs> it's um yeah. it it just it, it goes hand in glove with the way that Odi played yeah. to the way he yeah. writes and the way he blogs. It just I guess the word that I'm looking for. He's just natural. Yeah, and the working lead... man's ballet is a good, great title for his book, wasn't it? Really, well, the book title yeah. come from um, Tony Waddington, who who referenced Stoke City and said that it's like watching the working man's ballet. That's yeah. where it comes yeah. from, Tony Waddington, because football is the working man's ballet, and Oddie has a great love of music as well. So, you know, with my life, my music, it's about his life on and off yeah. the pitch. And uh, The Working Man's Ballet is an absolutely fantastic read. And we did mention Natural, which leads us nicely to the second book that you uh, recommended the podcast uh, this month uh, by David Tossel with a sad passing 
of James Peter Greaves, yeah. the greatest goal scorer. But before we talk about natural and David Tossel, because he's wrote a number of books, David's quite yeah. prolific. Matthew yeah. Basil wrote Soul and Glory. Do you know much about Matthew? I've just recently followed him on Twitter. Uh, I, I, I know I know a few of his books, but he's done a handful of books. I think he wrote a few around the FA Cup as well. So he's, he's very much um, a writer around um, yeah football history, let's say. So uh, English football history as well. So, uh, um, but uh, he's a great yeah another great writer. I think I know he's I think he's an Arsenal fan. I, I remember reading a book he wrote about. I think it's. Uh, um, Arsenal terrace songs and chants, and okay. it's yeah about from the yeah the, from the fans' point of view and songs around that. So he's got a quite a different range of uh, areas he's got him he's written about. But uh, yeah, excellent writer, another excellent writer, and there's so many great writers out there as well. I think the times certainly nowadays, you know, there's more and more books out there. And I think I think that goes hand in hand though. So I was reading something fairly recent in terms of the popularity of books has gone up. Uh, and it, I, I would actually say with younger age as well, I can see, which is great because I'm I'm very much one as well about promoting just reading in general. I think it's very important for people. I think I think it's shown benefits you can have without digressing too much in terms of um, uh, your you know your your states of mind and things like that. And it helps you emphasize and etc. And think, yeah, one way or another, I think the benefits of reading basically. But you know, there's so many great authors like Matthew Basil. But um, yeah, I can't think of a couple of other books. I'm sure he's done as well. I'm not doing him justice, but uh, the, this Soul and Glory is fantastic. Um, yeah, super. Along with the imagery, yeah, it as well. Natural by David Tussell, and David's an Arsenal fan as well. Is he? Right? Oh, is he? Okay. I yeah, I believe he's got a book. Well, I know he's got a book um, coming out about Don Howe. Because right, I, I okay. did put him in contact with uh, with Udi because Don Howe is the only coach that Alan liked. And if you read the Working Man's Ballot, you will find <laughs> yeah. that out as well. All the stories. Udi doesn't like coaches. <laughs> but how do you coach <laughs> someone like Alan Hudson, George Best, Frank Worthington, Stan Bowles? Yeah. You know, you don't. Yeah. You just allow them to go on a football pitch and play football. And that's yeah. pretty much what Tony Waddington said. When he signed him, he said, Al, you're doing all the right things, just in the wrong order. Go Absolutely. out there and play football. I won't tell you to, how to play football because I bought you because I know that you can play. And yeah, I think and it's been a natural, is. isn't it, which is Jimmy Greaves, and that's the title of that book, isn't it? Which he, yeah. He's just a natural talent and his uh, his ability. And I, I think I remember, um, oh, there was a quote that came out when they were obviously in the sad passing in terms of how nonchalant he was in terms of putting a ball in the back of a net. Mm. He just it was just so relaxed. He was just, um, yeah, sort of natural player. He just well, passed the ball into the back. life as well. Yeah, he passed yeah. the ball into the back of the net, didn't he? You know, TC yeah. always uses the phrase, pace and place. And um, yeah. I think Jimmy Greaves is greatest exponent of that. He didn't blast the ball and smash the net open. He just placed, pace and place. And Jimmy yeah. just knew where he wanted. And he glided past players, didn't he? He was... It was just everything that that you'd want in a forward. I mean, he had the looks. He had he just had yeah. everything. He was he was the English Georgie Best, really, wasn't he, Jimmy Groves? Yeah, he was. He was. And it's great you 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 read about his again his life story. There's bits I I just love in terms of the things you don't know. 
You know, you know, of course, he didn't, you know, play in obviously the World Cup final and how much yeah. that cut him up. Yeah. And I know I remember watching an interview and he, he was talking about how, wasn't he? He felt he was about the only person in the whole of that stadium that didn't feel part of it because yeah. it was uh, a strange experience for him. Uh, but he wasn't the biggest stage of all and he wasn't playing in it. Um, and you hear, you know, just, when you things like that, you read in the book and you, you, know, you read about their life and such from there through their eyes, etc. And it, you know, it's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, Ruddy always says that about England. Different perspective he gives you. Yeah, Ruddy says that. I mean, England didn't play, or England played without their three best players. Jimmy Greaves, well, not their best players, but George Easton was another player that should have played. And Peter Thompson of Liverpool, if Ruddy would have picked the England team. Uh, And they'd probably have had Simpson or uh, um, uh, the boy from uh, Chelsea. Whose name escapes me at the moment, but um, he was uh, one of the centre halves at Chelsea um, that were so prominent under Tommy Doherty. It'll come back to me as well in a minute. I know you're trying to think of Gabby. Marvin. Oh, Marvin. Marvin. What's it? Oh, no. We'll move on, and his name will crop <laughs> up in a bit. Either that or I'll text him. <laughs> but yeah, you, you, you know, when you, you look at it, I mean, Odie says, well, you could have had anybody really to play alongside Bobby Moore. And I guess Bobby yeah. was that great a player and great a character and a fantastic leader. And, and, and Jimmy Jimmy was was all of that as well. I mean, 357 league goals will never, ever be surpassed. And I yeah. didn't realise until Al was uh, was telling me that story when he was the co-driver in uh, in the, in the rally and he ended up in Colombia. Yeah, Bobby was under house arrest. It's a great story. I mean, there ain't many footballers that could have done that. <laughs> I know he, it's he incredible. Got a great isn't it? personality, and then of, of course he linked up with the Saints after he'd finished playing football, and that's the thing with TV. I guess there's so many kids that would watch Saint and Greaves and go, oh, look at this. Oh, yeah. Did he ever play football? <laughs> it's like, I know. You know again, but but read your books, kids, and you'll find out. Well, it's fascinating. And then you obviously after his, um, when he's hung up his boots, did he play for West Ham? And then uh, I did actually, again, I saw an interview with him the other day and uh, he was, it was around about, uh, I think it was, sorry, about the 80s, in the 80s, 90s, when he's doing Saint and Greaves. And uh, he said, uh, me and George Best are thinking of writing a book about the 70s. And he looks at the camera and he says, uh, so if anyone knows where we were during the 1970s, please get in touch. <laughs> and so, that... but he, yeah, just his great sense of humour, because obviously he went he had, he went a bit downhill, didn't he? He, um, he hit the drink, basically. So, uh, but again, um, some people but, would yeah. say, is he joking? And he probably yeah. was, but probably mm. also wasn't as well, because he... He probably didn't remember that much of the 70s. He'd remember an awful yeah. lot of the 60s, of course. But I think yeah. Jimmy started drinking a bit bit more heavily when he went to uh, to West Ham as the, you know... Yeah. Um, the, it was a part player swap, wasn't it? Probably involving yes. a bit of money as well when Martin Peters left uh, West Ham. Yeah, it was a bit of an acrimonious end, wasn't it, when yeah. he left Spurs? Yeah, I think yeah. so. But he was his great mate, Bobby Moore, that... Um, probably yeah probably smoothed it over and uh, I think he found a greatest drinking partner in Bobby because 
Bobby was a character and, and them two, uh, I think them two got into an unbelievable amount of trouble. Well, he was only, he was only 31, I think, when he retired, Jimmy Green's, I'm just trying to remember. Yeah. It, was, it was early 30s, wasn't it? It wasn't... Uh, a lot of players yeah. did, Andy, at that age, didn't yeah, they, back then? They did. You know, it's, it's not like now. I mean, you have pristine pitches to play on. They're like bowling greens. I mean, these yeah. guys of the 70s, 60s, 70s, they played on like paddy fields and, and over <laughs> Easter they played three games in four days. It was just absolutely, absolutely crazy what you know yeah. their bodies had to endure. I mean, you get the modern play, oh I'm tired, tired, you don't know what tired is. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you're coming up to the this time of year as well, December, going you you think of some of the football pitches he used to play on, like the likes of Terry. Yeah. Uh, used to play. I remember actually the fame the Terry, I've read Terry's um, recent book as well, Give Me the Ball, yep. when he was talking about, the, it's called the Boxing Day Massacre, wasn't it, when they beat Sheffield United, I think. Oh, yeah. uh, and I can remember seeing, the, I think you can still find it on YouTube now, and he scores one of the goals, doesn't he, diving header, and he slides in front of the Sheffield United fans yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. And, but you can just see the state of the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> it was, there was not much grass left on it, was there? There was a lot um, of defence pieces on it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it is. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? So what a character again. Again, so. an absolute legend, and we will talk about, give me the ball, yeah. uh, my take on the beautiful game, Terry Curran with John Brindley, forward by Ron Atkinson. And I've wrote my first introduction to a football book ever in that uh, wonderful book. But I'm doing a podcast yeah. with... Um, with Terry on the uh, game of my life about the Boxing Day massacre. The game uh, took place ah. at 11 o'clock uh, on the morning uh, due to South Yorkshire police thinking that there was going to be quite a bit of trouble. So they played the game before the pubs opened on Boxing Day <laughs> and Terry did score. Terry was instrumental in uh, in that game of, of he was, when yeah. they put in uh, the blades to the sword, literally by four goals to nil. And Terry yeah. also, given the fact that it was Boxing Day and it was pretty cold, he did find time to do a little bit of sunbathing in front of the uh, Sheffield United fans as well. Terry he was did. quite a character. I mean, that book, um, I haven't read it yet. I must read it, but I, I have got it, it signed by me. He's what, it's another one of these books. It's a bit a bit like a lot of the, the books where you read about some of these greats of the games, you know. Um, and I, I find myself, probably it takes me a little bit longer to read a book because of the use of uh, YouTube, yeah. I find myself looking at, like, oh, for example, the Boxing Day Massacre. I'll yeah. read it and I'm like thinking, actually, I'm just going to Google that now quickly and actually look at it. And you find yourself, and again, it just brings it to life. And obviously, that's where it's changed, isn't it, nowadays? But yeah, you can do it a tap of the hand pretty much and see the goals for yourself, really. So uh, it brings it even more to life. And I tend to yeah. Write, yeah. Um, write notes as well when I'm mm. reading the book. That's why it takes me so long. Yeah. And I'm making a podcast about the book, so I'm writing notes for reference reasons. But it's a great little uh, picture of TC uh, on the cover. Got an idea, I'm sure he'll kill me. I think it's Blackburn away when he scored the goal. And you can right. see the celebrating at Sheffield Wednesday fans as Terry's looking back. It almost looks as though he's looking into the camera, but that's his favourite photograph. Uh, ever is it? playing, yeah, that's is that. it? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he's got that that's photo because that's that. Terry Curran's favourite photo. And oh, like, I'm sure it's Blackburn. He has told me a million times, but um, <laughs> it's either Blackburn or Barnsley, and I'm going for Blackburn. But he'll come he'll, back. He'll, he'll come back to you. He'll kill me <laughs> if I'm wrong. But like all 
Terry's Tales and uh, the two books, um, Regrets of a Football Maverick, of yeah, course, that uh, you know, a couple well. of years ago with uh, with John Brinley. Great read, great stories, and and a great character. And like many football players um, of old, used to enjoy a pint. TC didn't drink; he only ever drunk Coke. Yeah. Mm. Yes, I yeah, know. I see, I see that. Yeah, he's not. I know that's. Uh, chased a few birds. He chased a few birds. <laughs> <did> TC. <laughs> and we're going to keep the Wimbledon game quiet, and we're not going to say much about that. And also, when uh, Inchies kicked off against Liverpool in the Merseyside derby as well. He had a smile on his face, but not as big as TC's smile, i got to say. We'll leave that for another day. But what was football like in the 80s was another book uh, by yeah. uh, a wonderful writer and top man as well, uh, Richard Crooks, does a lot of retweeting um, and, and liking of, of posts that we put up. And uh, football, the 80s was a great time, wasn't it, the football? It was... It was fascinating, wasn't it? It was a, it was a very, um, I'm not sure many decades changed quite as much when you see from the start to the end of it, yeah. as much probably as the 80s, in my I opinion. Probably, well, probably the 90s as well, but, not, you know, but certainly the 80s because of everything that went on, mm. you know, both on and off the pitch with the, obviously, you think of the, the disasters, of course, of that that, um, that decade, High so Bradford, and of course, Hillsborough, which... Yeah. Changed a lot of things going into the 90s and pretty much carries on to today. Uh, which I always, when I think about things, it connects me to another book. There's a great book actually about how football has evolved from, from that time um, called The Sun Shines Now. And what? it's written by one of the survivors um, from the Hillsborough disaster. It was actually in the pen. It's an incredible story. You know, it rises the head. Um, I feel the hairs on the back of my neck just mm. thinking of. The book itself, but yeah, when you sorry, you go back to the the eighties. It was such a, um, just such a change, wasn't it, in terms of uh, slightly getting you know the evolution of television and football as well. But obviously, hooliganism was at its height as well. It was a remarkable decade, really, for so many reasons, and you know, good football as well. Some great stories. Wimbledon, when you think of that, that was nineteen eighty eight, wasn't it? And they went on to win the FA Cup. You couldn't imagine that now. When you think. I think it was only ten years before that. They weren't even in the in the football league. I might be wrong, so I might question get me on that. But I'm pretty sure they were within ten years. I think it was from getting I, into the actual football league. Something I like that. I certainly remember a game that Wimbledon yeah. played in the FA Cup. Dicky Guy was the goalkeeper. They played against Leeds United, if my memory serves me right. <coughs> and that would have been probably 74, 75. They right, were definitely okay. non-league then. So yeah. so I think you're absolutely oh. spot on. With about, you know, about a 10-year period, they went from non-league to win the FA Cup. And of course, Aston yeah. Villa, Aston Villa in the 70s, yeah. were in the third division, 71. And then within yeah. well, 71, 72, um, within 10 years of that, 71, 72, they won the league and they won the European Cup. So, you know, you look at that and commercial, the the, the commercialism of football and yeah. the commercialisation of, of football. And, and you're right, TV started to play a role in, in yeah. the game. There was more live games. There was the invention of Sky in the next decade. But that was spoken about during the 80s. And it was the age of the yuppie and the mobile phone. And yeah. things were yeah. really kind of changing from, 
that seventies of I guess it like in, in in the music scene, the glam rock, and then the yeah. tone and 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 that, and the punk, and and the eighties just just went mad, and in a it football did. sense, really changed. And I think you're right. Looking back, I don't think any decade had so much of a differential than the eighties, and I think the music reflected it as well. Everything yeah, went in the eighties. I think football does that, doesn't it? And yeah, it does, yeah. There's so many links football to mm-hmm. the whole um, society, really, yeah. really, and the culture. I mean, the musical side, political side as well, if you wanted to go on that as well, you know, in terms of what was happening in the 80s when you think of Thatcher and all of that. It's all, you know, all of that's connected in one way or another, isn't it? Uh, but uh, I think, again, you think of some of the characters just... Um, you know, obviously, well, Brian Clough, he was in his heights, of course, management-wise in the 70s, wouldn't he? Yeah. Well, certainly the late 70s, obviously, with his incredible things they did at Forest. Um, but then in the 80s, you know, you've got the rise of what, Sir Alex Ferguson, some, but some, yeah, just an incredible time. And the, the book by Richard Crooks is uh, a fabulous book. It really is. Yeah, it captures, and Rich, captures that. done a few, hasn't he? And um, what was yeah. football like in the sixties? And Grandad, what was yeah. football like in the seventies? I haven't got yeah. his sixties book, but I've got his eighties uh, books. As soon as you put it up there, I went and bought the the eighties <laughs> books. I do. As soon as you put things up, I go and buy the damn books. You've cost me a fortune, mate. <laughs> well, oh, sorry about that, Gavin. <laughs> but the Grandad, what was football like in the seventies? And, and the front of that is a brilliant uh, cover with the glasses, the the the, the coffee uh, yeah. table, and the mug. Which I love the way that you do that. You put your mug on the coffee table and put the book. <laughs> I just think it's fantastic. And the picture on the front, of course, is uh, Pele in 1972 playing against the Owls. And you look at that spine yeah. cut. And I tell you what, I don't think there's many better uh, pictures than a full spine cup at Hillsborough. Oh, they are it's amazing, class. isn't it? Then Wednesday, oh, it's a different class, aren't they? They are, yeah. No, that that picture kind of thing. I've, I can, I can, I haven't got the book in front of me now, but I know the one. It's this the TV, isn't it? And it's got yes, the picture yeah. of Pele. Yeah, I yeah. think all the players yeah. are attracted to him, aren't they? But you got it in the background, have you? And the the cop, and it's just, yeah. it's just phenomenal, isn't it? That's, uh, it's just how did people? He just when you think about that, <laughs> you go to football. You know, how did they get from the front to the back and things like that? If you ever wanted to go taller, obviously, well, we. You can kind of remember those days. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, <laughs> but, you uh, can't it's, move. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible, isn't it, in terms yeah, of it, how it's changed. It's just, I mean, and, if you showed that to a kid now, they go, yeah. don't be daft. Where's how? the seat? How do you do? Where do you know where you're standing? Well, you don't. Yeah. You just stand there. <laughs> and you just yeah. end up there. And when they score, you might start at the back, but you end up somewhere down the middle. <laughs> it, just, it was just yeah. a different age, and it was... A wonderful age, and I always reference uh, to a certain degree. I still live in the seventies, and and this is the current book that I'm reading. Um, I'm on page one hundred and one. I've been on one hundred and one for about three months, and uh, <laughs> your my football books bookmark is uh, is on that because what I used to do is just fold the page over, and I knew where it was. But uh, I've got your bookmark, yeah. and it does that now. And there's also another book that I'm reading at the moment. I am the worst reader ever. Is A Time of My Life by Roy Cavana, MBE. Now, I've done a few podcasts with Roy, Chapter of My Life, and he's a top man, and he specialises in Manchester United books. He's a yes. big 
United fan, and I'm a big fan of uh, of Roy Cavana. Very clever, very witty man, very knowledgeable man. And I did say to him that uh, front picture. There's one of the babes. There's one of um, Old Trafford, the cricket ground. He's a big cricket fan. And is that yeah. Manchester um, bus there with docks on it? No, 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 Gabby. It's Salford. <laughs> it's like ah. there's such rivalry, and and that's yeah. what you get. By talking to people, you get an understanding of, okay, Salford isn't a part of Manchester, but it kind of <laughs> is, you know. Yeah, no, they soon tell you, don't they? Oh, no, I know he's he's a prolific writer, actually. I know he's written, he I think it's 20-odd books, isn't he, written of Manchester United. But there's a similar, actually, to Manchester City, a guy called Gary James. Uh, okay. I hope I'm getting these names right off the top of my head. He's a prolific writer on the other side of uh, Manchester so, um, yeah, the non-Salford part. <laughs> what, I, what I liked about this book as well, um, mm. it's, it's an unpublished book. There's only about 50 done so far. And I said, well, you, you really need to, to publish it. It's great. It gives great credit to Manchester City and the Manchester City yeah. team of the 50s. And I didn't yeah. realise, I mean, I think they had a player who's, I think his name was Ken Barnes, but he was um, Peter Barnes' dad. I didn't realise he played for Manchester. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. And, and that's the thing when, when I half read these books, you know, and I wish yeah. I could read them more and have more time because you, you do find out things um, that didn't you never read, know. No? Yeah. And I didn't yeah. know. I knew that they were a damn good team in the 50s because Bert Trautman played from broke his neck against my team, Birmingham City, in the final. And that was the Reggie clan. Um, yeah. Reggie was the, the first, as we hear now, they're playing with a deep line, a false number nine. Yeah. Come on, kids. Don Revy's done that in 1956. <laughs> I mean... Oh, I know. You do, I must admit, when you watch, uh, that's a little bit of when the Sky Sports, when you see them doing the tactics oh. and, you know, how that's never been done before. Oh. It's like, never been done before. And talk sports. <laughs> some just, of, some yeah. of the producers on You're rewriting sports. history here. Oh, they're wet between the ears, aren't they? It's exactly. Yeah. They think that they've just invented the wheel, but they didn't realise the wheel was invented in the 1800s, and we started Absolutely. kicking that wheel around or the ball around in uh, in, in proper league terms in 1888. But yeah, it just yeah. is incredible that the the, uh, the lack of knowledge, and certainly I think the lack of respect for the game of football that you get and, from the modern broadcasters. It really annoys me. And I think also, I think you, without, <laughs> you, can, you can do well with reading the books and things like, well, Jonathan Wilson's a fabulous writer. Oh, yeah, I'm big fan I'm just of thinking of his book, Inverting the Pyramid, where yeah. it's a history of football tactics, and that just gives you an in, mm. insight into how things have evolved over, like you say, the hundred-odd years, etc. how times have evolved. You know, um, but uh, yeah. It's probably the yeah. only book from Jonathan that I wouldn't buy because mm. I'm not a fan of tactics. I don't believe I, in tactics. I know what you mean. Yeah. I I'm, a, yeah. I'm a fan of players. Yeah. And players win games, tactics don't. Yeah. I don't get tactics. And Udi yeah. don't get tactics. TC don't get tactics. I don't think any top player gets tactics. And, you know, the game, yeah. okay, yes, it has evolved, but it hasn't really. You know, again, they're reinventing the wheel, like we've just alluded to about the Revy plan yeah. and the um, and the deep-lying central striker. I hate this new uh, word, double pivot. 
They use a double. Oh, oh come on, mate. They use two <laughs> players that can't play football and sit in front of a back four that can't defend. Johnny Giles yeah. nailed it. If your back four can defend, you don't need a defensive midfield player. Please yeah. tell me, out of me and Billy, who was a defensive player in that great league team, Never had one. Yeah, and that's the thing with the modern game. Great players yeah. of yesteryear think, didn't need double pivots. I think you'd enjoy a book that's just come out actually by a guy called Jim Keogh. Is uh, is is the book's called? Let me get this right. Uh, is it me or is modern football? SH, yeah, you can fill in the rest, etc. <laughs> and he's, he he mm. picks out a number of things in there. How um, things are irritating, let's say. And uh, pundits certainly get it, yeah. So uh, they come out of all those cliches and what have you. I don't mind uh... the odd cliche as long as it's a decent cliche. But But it's actually a book on cliches as well. (laughs) There's a a football football cliche. It's a brilliant book, actually, by Adam uh, Adam Horry, where it's about, you know, all the cliches like park the bus, um, transfer war chests and things like that but anyway well Ron uh, was yeah. one of the first to come <laughs> out with the old cliches one show us a lollipop and the wide awake the early doors and wide awake club and, yeah. and Ron Atkinson was, was one David Coleman of course was was probably the king of the cliches wasn't he I mean yeah. David Coleman like commentated in riddles but he was an absolute yeah. genius a lovely it football was. book that I, I, I love these kind of books because you can dip in, dip out. It's only a little book here. It's Football Oddities by uh, Tony Matthews. Curious facts, yeah. coincidences, and stranger than fiction stories from the world of football. And I actually look at that in in, in our podcast. I do a strange but true. So I have a look at different pages. and Oh, I like that. That's an interesting fact. And then just bring it out to play because there's that many great oddities in football and and yeah. daft things. And you think, no, that couldn't have happened. But it did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so many stories, isn't there? So uh, you you mentioned some. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned. I thought you were referring to when you said about a broken neck. Is a broken neck? And I. Bert I Trattman, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Bert Trattman, Yeah, there's a book about. Bert that, Trattman, Yeah. Oh, oh, that's incredible. That's yeah. an incredible book again. It's. I actually. Uh, there's actually. I think it's on Netflix at the moment, or it might be on BBC okay. iPlayer. Um, you can. There's a two-hour documentary. Uh, about his life and uh, it's one of the rare times my wife sat with me and watched something related to mm-hmm. football and she was just this is a true story it's yeah. just, it is absolutely true he was you know in yeah, part of the Hitler Youth he and then uh, youth, fought in Germany and he fought on the front line in, you know in the Second World War yeah. and then goes on to play in an FA Cup final breaks his neck carries on it's just an incredible story isn't it so uh but again, I didn't. I felt must admit, I didn't know fully or really about that until I read, I read the book. I knew a little bit about it. But remarkable, remarkable yeah. stories, being, aren't they? Being a Birmingham City supporter, I know all about that. It was the um, the challenge with the, the great Peter Murphy. Yeah, Murphy. yeah, of course. And um, Birmingham I think he in just, the final. Yeah, he just broke one of the bones. Did he? Didn't realise yeah. the time, of course. But uh, played on, played on with a broken <laughs> neck, and City <laughs> ran out three-one winners. And, I mean, you look at it as a Birmingham City fan, even a goalkeeper broke his neck and we still couldn't win the damn game of football. <laughs> Another book that I want to give a mention to, I'm doing a, a podcast with um, Peter Kitchen, uh, the the game that he played against Chelsea in 1978. 
I mean, Kitch was a great player in his day and, and a yeah. top, top, top goal scorer. And I love the title because there's some lovely titles of football books, isn't there? The Goal yeah. Gourmet. I mean, what? <laughs> oh, his name's Kitchen and the Goal Gourmet. What a Brilliant. play on words. <laughs> Fantastic, isn't it? And that iconic, that iconic Orient kit. Because, you know, <laughs> back in them days, Orient were in what would now be called the Championship. And Kitch was top of the pops in the goal scoring charts. I mean, yeah. they were a bloody good team back in the late seventies, late Orient. I mean, you don't hear much of late nor the no. Orient. It's just Orient, isn't it? They even had yeah. a train named after them. They were that good. Yeah, I think he, was he Doncaster Rovers as well, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. He, he, Kitch at the bar in seventy four yeah. that would have. Um, the Anfield that would have knocked Liverpool out of the FA Cup that they went yeah. on to uh, to win, of course, against uh, Newcastle United in the seventy four yeah. final. But yeah, it, you know, Kitch had that little bit of luck on on that day in January. <laughs> Liverpool would have been knocked out, and you, you you do need that luck. I did have a debate on Facebook some time ago where somebody was trying to tell me that there's no luck in football, it's all science. And I said, that's absolutely <laughs> bollocks, mate. You need a lot of luck in football, to be quite truthful. You, absolutely. Of course you do. You definitely need lady luck on your side. And how many managers yeah. said that? If you can't be a good manager, well, be a lucky one. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm sure there's something... Brian, I'm trying to, if Brian Clough comes out with loads of quotes, today, I'm sure he's got a quote around there uh, something along those lines around luck. Uh, it's normally rolls. Uh, his football, um, he would always just say, "Give the ball to John Robertson." When I think about Brian, Brian Clough, yeah, we, we, we maybe you can create your own luck. Just give it to Brian, give it John Robertson. We got so a fat you, lad. <laughs> yes, give it to the fat lad. That's it. Out on the wing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how he used to talk to him, didn't he? TC absolutely loved Brian. He said, "You know, never, yeah. I never once heard him lose his rag." Lose his temper. Yeah. I never once seen him drink. They uh, absolutely loved and adored Brian Clough. And, uh, yeah. and I think Cloughy was, I guess, listening to players that played under Cloughy, it was, he was a lion, but at heart, yeah. he was a big pussycat. He had an absolute yeah. heart of gold, Brian Cloughy. Yeah. But he just had this public persona, young man, and he would talk down to the media. Yeah. You people on Match of the Day, you know, less talk and more football. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And they'd be doing an interview with John Motson exactly along those lines, oh, wouldn't they? Quite a famous on, one. Yeah, Parkinson. Yeah. I'm Parkinson, Mohamed yes. Ali. Clough, Clough, yeah. I've had enough. And there's a bunch of I want to fight him. <laughs> no, was, no. What a character. Yeah, I mean, we just... And some great football books about Brian yeah. Clough as well. I mean... There, there must be, I don't know, I've probably got four or five in my library about the great man. And um, Jonathan Wilson wrote one of them. Um, I think he did. nobody says thank you, is it? Yeah, yeah, great line. Yeah, great title as well. Yeah, my, my favourite Brian Clough one, I must admit, it comes as things to my mind. Um, if you've, it's called Provided, again, great title, Provided You Don't Kiss Me. Yes. Uh, it's 20 Years of Brian Clough by Duncan Hamilton, who's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the great writers, and that's uh, that's a stunning book, stunning book on uh, Brian Clough. But Cloughy, I'd recommend that. Cloughy would do that, wouldn't he? Come here and give us a kiss. Mm. Yeah, and, and he would always. <laughs> I mean, he was just like. I mean, remember the Forest fan invaded the pitch and he gave him a right oh, yeah. slap. 
I think he was dressed up like Max Wall, wasn't he? He's not Cluffy. Yeah. But the furry yeah. man, he gave him a right banging. But again, that was Cluffy. Shankly was yeah. another one. Some great football books about Shanks. And yeah. uh, Malcolm Allison, Big Mal, what a character. So yeah. what's coming out in October? What have we got on uh, your newsletter? What other books do you want to talk about? There's, there's a, it's a great time of the year, as it has been for our year, actually. There's certainly October. I think it's coming up to that Christmas period as well, isn't it? So uh, there's three big three books that I'm looking forward to that I've uh, picked out. One being, we've just been talking about it in the 70s. There's one by Daniel Abraham's coming out, 71, 72. Just in the and podcast with Danny. Ah, excellent. Yeah. Oh, football's Stop greatest that. season. Yeah, so that'll be a really interesting read. Because, uh, uh, again... Just a fascinating. You'd, I think um, he says in the synopsis of the book where it's the time when, well, pretty much all the greatest footballers in the world were playing in one league at that particular time and in that season. So, uh, and obviously you've got the characters of Don Revy, Brian Clough, and what have you, and the managers. So, uh, what a great season! So, I'm looking forward to reading that. I look forward to listening to your podcast. Is that out now? Is that? Yeah, it's already yeah. out. I've done it last week with, uh, with I think Daniel. I might have seen it, yeah. yeah, he's a big, okay. big Queen's Park Rangers fan. And that got right. with me, uh, me pals, me, uh, me Rangers mates. And they says, well, Dan's writing a book. So I'll give Dan a chat, uh, give him a call. And we had a chat and, and recorded Excellent. a podcast. But he's absolutely right. I mean, Derby County won the league in 1971-72 season on 58 points. Leeds were second, 57. Liverpool third, 57. Manchester City fourth, 57. Arsenal, yeah. 52. Spurs, 51. And wow. Chelsea, 48, coming seventh. Man United finished eighth that season. But yeah, it's a season that had everything. Franny Lee was top scorer on 33 goals. Malcolm Allison got a touchline ban. And and he said, <laughs> I mean, even the train robbers only got 25 years. He got a lifetime <laughs> ban. He did big mal. And, and and it was a season, of course, that Brian Clough. Don't ask me again. Yeah. Ian Story Moore has just signed for Derby County. Please don't waste my time. And the next thing you see, Ian Story Moore, he signed at Manchester United because the Forest <laughs> Board wouldn't sanction it. They wouldn't sign it off. Clough yeah. had told Story Moore, and he'd um, you know, introduced him to the Derby crowd. It wasn't yeah. anything to do with Ian. What a great player he was, by the way. <laughs> we, I recorded a podcast with Ian Story Morning. He was telling me all about that in the 71-72 season. I'm oh, looking forward to reading that. It's a great start to a great decade as well. And again, when you think back to... I remember reading a fact in terms of... I think there's only been about seven, six or seven winners in the Premier League in what... Well, how long have you gone now? Almost 28, yeah. 30 years. Yeah, uh, And, you know, you've you've always had Man United winning it, Chelsea, man, you know, repeated winners. Obviously, had left to see success. But if I remember the 70s, I think the first five years of the 70s, I think it was a, I think it was a different winner every year, wasn't it, of the, of the league, if I remember. But it was always changing hands. It was never consistent. Um, I think that's, again, just shows how uh, different type of football, wasn't it? It was, uh, again... Level playing field. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but yeah, it was a great decade, and obviously starting off with that season. So I'm looking forward to that. Definitely that book. Yeah, there, it was it was a fantastic time. That mm. there was so many great teams, and you know sides like Ipswich Town, like Sheffield United, yeah, uh, Stoke, yeah. Stoke City, of course, um, all had competitive 
uh, sides. I mean, the, the, the first the 1969-70 uh, winners were, were Everton. Then it was Arsenal, Derby, Liverpool, Leeds. Derby, yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool, Forest, Liverpool. Yeah. And that led us then into 79-80 season when Liverpool won it again. And then 80-81, yeah. Aston Villa. But, you know, yeah. QPR finished second in 1975-76. Actually, when they finished the season, QPR were top, but had to wait several days till um, Liverpool played... I believe they played at Wolves. Because Leeds United certainly did in 71-72. Played yeah. at Wolverhampton Wanderers after the FA Cup final. Because they were absolutely certain that they were going to win the double in the 71-72 yeah. season. But something happened along the way. And the Wolverhampton <laughs> Wanderers players were really, really, really up for it. That probably, <laughs> had it not been levelled at them, might not have been up for it so much. But again, yeah. that was the thing about Leeds. They always had that tarnished image. Yeah. I think very unjust at times because yeah, I think I Leeds were, in my lifetime, and I've had the pleasure of Alan Clark's company on a, on a podcast, yeah. I think that Leeds United are the greatest team that I've ever seen play football. Yeah, yeah, all great team, wasn't it? Yeah, Absolute great team. There was such a great uh, camaraderie as that players as well. They literally did play for each other, didn't they? Uh, get, oh, get yeah. out. That does sound like a bit of a cliche. That's something you hear on Sky Sports, but, but they really did. Uh, they really did, didn't they? They all they uh, very much as a collective team. Burnley, um, Burnley central striker, um, great centre mm. forward Paul Fletcher. Fletcher mm. said to me, Don Reevey assembled a team of assassins. Yes, yeah. What, you would Great want word. any one of them players in your team. <laughs> yeah, excellent. But no, but, um, yeah, go on. Sorry, Gabby, yeah, but just, yeah, just, um, I just think linking link it back to the books, so that, but that 71-72 season, yep. you know, and Leeds, etc., all around that time. I'm looking forward to reading that, definitely, that comes out next month. Yeah. So what else have you got that's coming so, out next month uh, on your newsletter? Uh, the Undisputed, which is the okay. Champions of Europe by Stephen Scragg. We're looking his, forward to that. Yeah, so it's his, trilo- it's his third in his trilogy. If you've read yeah. his first two books, you'll, oh, I just can't wait to read that. His first two books was Frozen in Time about the European Cup Winners' Cup. And then you've got um, when the... Where the cool kids hung out. Yeah. Title. Yeah. Uh, and that was about the UEFA Cup, and this one's about the, yeah, the European Cup. So, uh, um, I think the subtitles: How the Gods of Football Became European Royalty. Um, it's yeah, homage to the European Cup and the biggest club prize in football. So, you just, I think it talks about the, the Stefano, the Sao Best, Cruyff, Beckenbauer, Douglas. You know, just incredible names of football. And uh, well, yeah, when the European Cup. When you had to, to to get into it, you had to win the league. Not like now, you can yeah. finish fourth. And yeah. uh, <laughs> so. it's a super league, isn't it? It's a European super yeah. league now. I mean, they it call is. it the Champions League, but they're not champions. It's the European well, no. CSL by by, yeah, by stealth. It, it's yeah. as simple as that. Because in 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 those days, and I've done a couple of podcasts with uh, with Dennis Mortimer, and I said to Dennis, the thing is with you guys at Villa, you actually won the football league. You yeah. won the championship. And then you went on and played in the European Cup and won the European Cup. 
Now yeah. these teams can get into the Champions League by finishing fourth. I mean, it's quite ridiculous, yeah. really. And I'm I'm with you. I'm looking forward to that. I've got both of Stephen's Definitely. books. And uh, these Football Times, they're a great group of, of guys. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, Hugh, brilliant, brilliant. Hugh Orsfield wrote that book, hasn't he, about um, the, the Brazil team of 19. Yeah, 1982. Oh, that's a brilliant book. I really yeah, I've got, recommend I've got that. I've got it, but I haven't read it. <laughs> and I've got... Them. I recommend it. You'll be gripped from the star because he's, he's, his love of that... Um, 1982. He talks about when he's growing up, literally, yeah. and, and going, uh, going home to uh, watch the, you know, because I think the times of the telly, one of the times, I think the games were on at five o'clock in the evening, so rush back from school. They're just a great story writer. Yeah, like they all are, like you said, the these football times. But and he's wrote no, it sure. as a kid, hasn't he? He's wrote it from them times and memories as a kid, looking yeah. at that Brazilian team of of '82, yeah. and I think one of the greatest teams not to win the, yeah. the World Cup. For me, there's there's three teams yeah. that were great that didn't win it. Hungary in uh, in '54, of course. The oh, miracle yeah. of Bern, and there yeah. are a number of books out about the uh, the, the magnificent Magyars. We'll talk about yeah. them on on next month's podcast. So we'll keep yeah. that on the back burner. But uh, yep. Gary Thacker has wrote um, Beautiful Bridesmaids Dressed in Orange. Again, I've yeah. got that book. I haven't read it, but I've interviewed <laughs> Gary. What a very intelligent, knowledgeable he man. Is. I've yet to interview Stephen Scragg. I mean, he's a big, big Liverpool supporter. But they produce yeah. some great work, these football times and guys. I really it's enjoy good. listening to the podcast. And outside right, I've got to give a reference to Chris Lee. Um, Origin, yeah. What is it? Origin Stories. Origin oh, story, brilliant got that book. Yeah, but I'm gonna get. Oh, that. Look, brilliant! Because it that book in many ways, uh, I think I would messaged him. Um, oh, I'd put something on Twitter, yeah. and he, that book ticks a lot of books because I enjoy the history, I enjoy the football yeah, history, book, yeah. uh, and uh, that really it's the pioneers who took football to the world. Yeah, um, I saw the subtitle of it. It just literally goes around the world, country by country, of how it started in Argentina and, yeah, everywhere. It's just amazing. Some cracking stories in there. Absolutely Argentina's amazing stories. Argentina's really anglicised, isn't it? You know, their origins yeah. pretty much are, are English-based, aren't they? They are, yeah. There's quite a few, not just English, Scottish as well. Yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. He, he emphasised how much Scotland were involved at the start of football as well. So, uh, uh, but no, just brilliant book. Brilliant book in terms of... Um, yeah, the history. If you ever want to know how it all started, and then the lawmakers, the mavericks, mm. entrepreneurs, and yeah, how it all started, it's just incredible. No, I'm definitely yeah, going to uh, going to order that book. It's, it's yeah. one that's on my list. I've got that many books on my list, <laughs> as you can as you can gather. I don't read many of them, but I just have them for references. I just you have to make time. Yeah, I just <laughs> I, I just absolutely I love the game and I love the books. Another. Um, book that's coming out there's two that, that's coming out that's mm. going to fascinate me um don reavy a book by don reavy yeah that's yeah. coming out in october as well and a book yeah, about ron is. greenwood again i wasn't particularly a fan of either england manager i wasn't a fan of don reavy definitely as an england manager more more with ron greenwood i've I kind of i mean he got yeah. the, the job after we beat italy didn't we yeah what was it yeah. nil at wembley and he was caretaker, and then they they gave him the job. But I think that they wanted just somebody to 
I suppose, paper over the cracks. And, and a little bit like yeah. the job that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is doing at Man United. I think Greenwood was given that job because of what Don Revy had done. And when you look at yeah. Don Revy, an absolute genius, genius uh, as a club manager. And, and I think that because of what a pig's ear he made of the national team job, yeah. we look yeah. at Don in a different way. And, and I think what we have to do, which is what I do, is, you know, when, when I look at football players, say, for instance, my team, Trevor Francis, greatest Birmingham City player I've seen, and then, please, Trevor, don't come back in the twilight of your career because people yeah. will remember you when you couldn't quite do it. And I think that people do remember Don as the manager that really fouled up England and, and had that infamous meeting where he told Alan Hudson, Tony Curry, Stan Bowles, yeah, Frank Worthington, Charlie George, Rodney Miles. You don't figure in my plans. I'd have sacked him there and then. And it's quite incredible because that Leeds United team had absolutely everything. And you would think absolutely. that from yeah, Bremner and Giles, Hudson and Curry, you know, it's like um, very, very similar. Yeah, well, they were lang- when he took over at Leeds United, the sides were languishing in the lower half of the second division at the Definitely, time, wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah. he not only took them to league champions, they were dominated, but didn't he changed, they? So, uh, everything. He changed yeah. the colours, he changed yeah. the badge. I mean, the badge yeah. had an owl in it, but, but Don Reevy looked at that <laughs> owl and says, birds are unlucky, I want something <laughs> different. And yeah. you look at what Don done at Leeds United, uh, just, just incredible. Yeah. So it's a book that... That I do want. Yeah, I might not read it, but I definitely want it, and I'll dip into <laughs> it because, again, Ron Saunders is another one that doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Again, another absolute genius of, of yeah. a manager, and some of the things that he done with the Maverick players there. He says to Brian, Brian Little, call him in his office again. Do you know what? I'd love to punch you in the face. <laughs> and Brian says it makes you feel better, do it? <laughs> you know, we used to do things just to wind the play, and and it was genius what what um, uh, Ron Saunders did to those Villa players, yeah. and it was genius yeah. what Don Revy did to them Leeds United players, um, yeah. um, and and again Ron Greenwood had a great time at the academy at West Ham, etc., etc. Yeah, One of the books. What else have we got to look forward to? coming out in October them are two that I want to get me to yeah the, you've also got there's Nova's one that's coming out about the early years of the FA Cup uh, I mean the very early years I think it talks about there when they, how the British Army helped uh, establish the world's first football tournament so uh, you know in terms of the FA Cup you know I, I, what the, I know it's well, for some, let's say, it's lost its appeal, but I, not for me. I still think it's you know, the, the, the competition, isn't it? The club yeah. competition. I think the Champions League and things like that is almost, for some people, maybe the younger generation, uh, has made the FA Cup not as important as it used to be in the 70s and the 80s, etc. But no, it's a book that's coming out about the early years. So it's going back to your Victorian times. So uh, um, just fascinating, again, linked to the history. Uh, of that. And there's actually another one as well, because it was due to come out, I think it was last month, some of them pushed back for one reason with um, everything that's happening, <laughs> COVID, etc. is the, the history of women's football okay, as well, yeah. which is uh, which is really fascinating. Again, you, you forget how big women's football was, certainly obviously the, the, the Second World War uh, and the, the popularity. It was incredible and massively... Um, some huge crowds that used to attract it, the likes of uh, Everton at Goodison Park, etc. So, yeah, that'll be interesting as well. Just, um, yeah, 
from I Libby Morgan. I don't think we've produced a better player than Lily Parr, who was one of the Dick Kerr ladies from the yes, Dick factory yeah. in Boston. Uh, a remarkable story. You're absolutely correct. They got banned for 50 yeah. years. Women playing they do, on the FA Cup, and it's, yeah. and it's incredible now when you think about like what the FA the FA did at that time, you know, and said because uh, it was getting too popular, wasn't it? That's why the FA Cup, uh, uh, sort of the much. FA at the time. Yeah, I mean, pretty yeah. much. They the, the girls worked in the uh, munitions factory, didn't they? they yeah. Were, they were yeah. they were playing games um, to raise funds to for the for the war efforts. And yeah. they've got so, so great a crowd. I mean, <laughs> I, I know that in modern times that the girls in the WSL, I think Chelsea yeah. played Arsenal and got record, re- well, not record receipts, but they got yeah. record attendance. But that was largely because they were giving tickets away. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, a, it, it's one of those, when you look at some of the, the women's attendances, they are yeah. massaged, shall we say. And I spent a number of years, I was a, Public announcer on the uh, microphone at Birmingham City Ladies for, uh, oh, for a right, number, okay. of, yeah, for a number of seasons. I had a great time, and and I thought the kids were, were brilliant. It's a different game to the men's, and I would have liked to have seen them stay in the summertime and have their own game and their own identity. And I think yeah. all this, we want equal pay with the men's game, and that. Sorry, Bab, you ain't never going to get that because your game is nowhere near as good. And I'll be honest. And I'm a big fan of football. I don't care who plays football, whether they're girls, whether they're boys, whether they're women, whether they're men. Football should be for all. But I think there's all different levels. You know, you look at my team, Birmingham City. My players don't have played as much as Jack Grealish. For one reason, they're nowhere near as good as him. And and I think that's what we have to do. We have to put football in relative terms. So watch the women's game because it's a great little little game that they play. There's some great stuff, great goals, great (coughs) skills. But it ain't the men's game. It's nowhere near as good as the men's game. And they they wouldn't compete on a one-to-one with the men's game. But it is a great game in its own right. And, And I did love it when it was a summer sport. Uh, yeah, hey, oh, that's it. They want to play, you know, September through till yeah May. Now I'm looking, but I'm looking forward to that book. Certainly, yeah. on the history of it, it's just who wrote it? It's who wrote like, it? Andy, do you know? It's it's been uh, it's Jean Williams. Is okay. She's a, a professor. I'm pretty sure I'm get that correct. Um, okay. I will have to check, but yeah, Professor Jean Williams writing that one. It's through uh, Pen and Sword Books, right. who uh, very much focus on. Um, if you have a look at their website, they've got a small football sports section, but they focus a lot on war, <laughs> World War One, World War Two, okay. etc. And obviously the history, of, as we talked about, yeah, history of women's football, yeah. Because when you're going that time back, is incredible. Yeah, when we're going back to the yeah. wars, um, we're talking about the Second World War. I mean, a lot of the football players' careers were finished, wasn't they? I mean. Oh yeah, Tom Finney, for instance. I mean, he didn't finish. Obviously, he was only. Yeah. Young, but Tom Finney was driving a tank in Egypt during the Second World War, and again, when you're looking at it in today, imagine like a David Beckham or a Jack Grealish driving a tank in the war. It's just, yeah. it's just quite incredible, isn't it? That yeah, uh, what absolutely. our football players. I think is there a book about the the service to the country that players did in the Great War or the Second World War? There, there is. And I'm trying to think of it. I think there's one coming out, actually. Okay. Um, uh, and maybe we'll pick it up on the next podcast. Yeah, sure. uh, but I'll, 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 I'll drop that down. I'm pretty sure there's one 
uh, coming out later in the year, and it might be early next year. I think, uh, yeah, it's about the footballers during that period. So, uh, Do you write yeah. that down? And so we'll, we'll look at that. Hmm. want to look at uh, the Hungarians as well, so we'll, uh, we'll reference them. I also want yep. to talk about the coaches as well, the old coaches um, that played such a prominent and important part in football. Jimmy Ogan what? being one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, if you were also talking about uh, away from English football, was um, uh, Bella Gutman. Oh, what a legend. Uh, Benfica yeah. and cursing Benfica. Oh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's, an, that's an incredible book. The greatest comeback. And um, then the Epstein as well. Is. I mean, Erpstein, who uh, yeah. was the manager, the coach of the manager, the great El Grande yes. Torino side. That's I it. mean, him and, yeah. him and Bella were literally on the way to a concentration camp, having a chat and decided to do a bunk. And I think the one ended up in Paris and the other one ended up in Budapest. They were hiding out from the Nazis and went on yeah. and changed the face of European football. It's quite remarkable. Cool. Isn't it? And I think there's a great book about uh, Jew- the Jewish input into association football isn't there I can't remember the name of the book but I'm hoping that you'll be able to help me um, um, I'm sure on talk sport so again that's another one that we must have a look at the Jewish yeah. input in uh, in football because there was a school of thought that believed that the, the Jews were an inferior race and were quite not yes. very strong and powerful but but these Jews really yeah. danced and put their mark, their indelible mark on the game of football. I know the book you're referring to, and I cannot for life me think of it off the top we of my head. It'll come back to me. We'll talk about that on next yes. month's podcast. Because yeah. I, I, I'm sure I heard it on uh, Talk Sports, somebody talking about it today or yesterday. Uh, yeah, these I think, does, it, does your rabbi know you're here? Something like I that. I think it may well be. be. I think it yeah. might well be. It's something yeah. along those lines. But, um, you know, a lot of those Jewish coaches are just yeah. incredible what they yeah. do. What else have we well, got that, on that, your new That Bella Gutman, though, sorry, just on the Bella yeah. Gutman, though, in terms of when he, yeah, he lifted it twice, the European Cup, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then because they wouldn't have given that price, uh, I think it was in. Yeah. He, uh, he was asking for a bit more money, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, would, yeah. they would have given it to. So he put a curse on them for 100 years, and that, yeah. that stayed, hasn't it, ever since? I mean, it, it <laughs> so, isn't uh, the fact that they're yeah. cursed. It's just that the fact that they haven't been very good. I mean, yeah. that's, that's yeah. the, I mean there's a gypsy curse <laughs> on Birmingham City. I remember when exactly. Saunders took over, yeah. I mean, he made the players paint <laughs> the soles of the boots red and put crucifixes up, and the floodlight pylons. Barry Fry <laughs> done that in the 90s when he come to Birmingham, of course. And Birmingham have been rather unsuccessful, but it's got nothing to do with Madame Racina's curse of Birmingham City. It's got everything to do with they couldn't run a bath, that football club of mine. So uh, I'm guessing Benfica, it was something similar, and it wasn't actually the curse of Bella Gutman. It's just that they weren't very good. Yeah. Or not as good as the opposition, shall we say, because they did get to a couple of finals, so they must have still been a bloody good team. So what yeah. else have we got on your newsletter and your website? It's a fantastic website, by the way. Thank you. Well, I, I think the website, and I'm always open to uh, suggestions of anyone, that, but I, I, what I do is very much put out um, new releases that's uh, come out recently, as well as books coming soon. Yeah. And then I try to spread it out in terms of various. One of the interesting things was I first set up the website, um, it took me around three months actually to... Uh, 
to build it. I've never built a website before. Uh, obviously, there's a template involved, but it's actually putting the books on there and putting it into categories. Yeah. So uh, when I think of when I was looking for football, also I'd look for one about my team, and then maybe I want to look something about a history or a biography or a, you know, whether about a player or a manager. So I split it out, you know, to the various categories, etc. Um, but in terms of a newsletter, um, yeah, I welcome people to subscribe. But on there, I I put on the releases from the previous month and the three that's been most wished for through um so I can see in terms of who's you know, what are the books are most popular. And certainly the ones from last um um month was the Forgotten Champions, the Everton's last title. Yeah. In eighty six, eighty seven. Uh, yeah, that's it. So um you know that was a um Incredible time for Everton, wasn't it? And Howard, yeah. Howard Kendall, of course, wasn't it? So uh, yeah, it was. Um, and Howard wasn't always successful at uh, at Everton when Terry joined. They'd um, written, they put an hangman on his garage. I mean, it was like they, <laughs> that. Everton, the gates at Goodison Park were really, really low. And when Terry went yeah. in there at, at Everton, they re- Howard really was a, a, a low ebb and. You know, when you look at what Brian Clough done at, at, at Nottingham Forest, a lot of the players at Everton were, were already there and he, he brought in one or two others. But, yeah. you know, something happens in a football club and the magic just yeah. springs forth. And, and Kendall yeah. done that. And as you say, it was the last title that a league title yeah. that Everton, Everton won. And a grand old team. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the most wished for I've got in my newsletter. And I always put... My three recommended reads, uh, and two of them already touched on, Natural, um, the Jimmy Green story, The Age of Football. And there's an, another not so well-known, um, but a fantastic book that came out a few years called The Boy on the Shed. Okay, uh, Paul that. Ferris. Yeah, so uh, uh, a lot of people won't know of this player. Newcastle United fans will do. Uh, he was the youngest, I think, youngest ever first-teamer. Uh, but a great, just a brilliant story. Uh, he, he grew up in Northern Ireland, so of all the, you know, he talks about the troubles and whatever. It's just a fantastically written story. So that's one of my recommended reads. Um, and then, yeah, the rest of the newsletters, obviously, just talking about the books that's coming up in October, and uh, uh, as well as um, promoting your great podcast and the work that, uh, yeah, we're doing Book Corner. And, that, and, so, new. and there's a lot, and there's a lot going on around this time of year, with um, the recent uh, Telegraph Sports Book of the Year, and just announced today was the long list for the William Hill uh, Sports nice. Book of the Year as well. So uh, there's some yeah fantastic uh, books that's in there as well, including Michael Calvin's new book, who's one of my definite favourite writers. Uh, whose game is it anyway? Um, brilliant book. Great writer. Off the top well, of your so. head, what titles mm. are uh, in, on the long list, and when does the long list become the short list? And uh, we're going to put all this because I mean, when you yeah. do that, it's you know um, your podcast. This is our podcast now. It yeah, is book uh, yeah, corner. Yeah. It's a monthly yeah. book corner. We've got a, a page, a chapter of my life, and I'll, we'll put all stuff on there and retweet and keep the literary side there as well as on the current view and and various uh, feeds that we've got on Facebook and Twitter but um, some of the is it always at this time of year and when does the long list become the short list and when does the winner get announced oh not off the top of my head but uh, I know it's 15 that have been entered into the long list and that's all sports books so not just football 
I mean, there's three football books. Well, I know there's three football books yeah. selected out. I was 15. The one I just mentioned. The other one's called Dream Factory, um, written by another great writer called Ryan Baldy, um, which is about um, um, the the likes of Marcus Rashford and some of the players that's coming through now. And the, yeah, the Dream Factory really in terms of the footballs that's coming through. And I think the other one, I think it's based, yeah, Simon Cooper, um, Barcelona. It's the inside story of the world's greatest football club, Barca. So uh, Simon Cooper's uh, another great writer. In fact, his book is um, Football Against the Enemy. It was the first book I ever read. I remember what? reading Yes, um, when it came out in... Oh, goodness knows what it was now, but I, I think that was one of my first books I ever read. So... Uh, um, so I've got a kind of connection to him, but yeah, there's there's three that's um, been nominated today on the short list. I think it might be maybe a month's time it comes out. Okay. I mean, if you check out, I'll, I'll share something yeah, on yeah. the on our on the page as well, as well as on our podcast um, when it's coming up. So, uh, but yeah, it's normally around about this time of the year, and I think there's another one in the early part of next year as well, and it'll come to me which paper it is. <laughs> Approximately how many books have you got in your library, Andy? Oh, that's a question. Well, the ones I've got I can, in front of me in my, let's say, office, I've got three bookshelves here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm scanning over. I've probably got about 300 in here, probably more than that, I dare say. Yeah. If my wife was here now, she would say that's, 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 that's nowhere near. I've got lots more, but... Uh, are not on display. Um, so, yeah, you're talking a few hundred. Have a it's a lot of money has been spent over the year. Oh, absolutely. Have a guess <laughs> how many books I've got on display, Andy. How many you got on display? Yeah. Uh, ten. None. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be a bit sad, but I like to look at a good bookcase. I don't I, know what it is. I've There's something about it. For 15 yeah. years. <laughs> to get my missus to have a bookcase because I think it looks yeah. fantastic and all she thinks it is is something that attracts dust and uh, <laughs> she hasn't got an allergy to dust but she just won't have one and I say Bab a <laughs> bookcase there with all my football books would look absolutely splendid but she ain't yeah. having it mate so I do envy her having all those <laughs> books on, on display yeah, no, I love it. I love it when you see because a lot of people have been in, uh, with obviously COVID, etc. Yeah. You see them being interviewed on um, on the BBC and yes. you know the news channels. They've got the bookcase behind them, haven't they? And yeah. I always find myself I'm not really listening to what they're talking about. I'm trying to look at the books behind them, see what they've got. Is there any football books in there? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you can tell a lot by uh, the. The it's almost like a through the keyhole thing, isn't it? When it is. David Frost used it. to go in there and you'd look yeah. at some of the ornaments and then try and get who he's. Well, I can tell who you support. You support Forest, you do, or you support Birmingham or QPR. I can see your Stan Bowles book there. You must be a QPR. But there yeah. are a lot of fans that like all different football books of all different clubs because yeah. they just love football and. And my yeah. books are of all football players and football yeah. clubs as well. So I just think it's it's fantastic the amount of different books of different clubs. We, the more you do podcasts, the more you get an inkling into the the history of the club. And definitely. it's surprising how many teams I actually like now and watch on the TV through just talking to 
former players yeah. and, and, and fans that have wrote books about their clubs. Do you know, you're, you're spot on as well. You know, Millwall, let's say, they might have a bit of a reputation, but yeah. I could pick a, some, a couple of brilliant books. There's one, Family, by Calvin, um, Michael Calvin, I mentioned just a bit earlier. Yeah. He did a great book where he spent a season with them. And there's another book where I read recently, Brian King, the goalkeeper, yes, uh, in the 60s yeah. and 70s. And these guys, his autobiography mm-hmm. come out. I think it was early part of this year called the Lions King, yeah. And it just told you, you just get a different kind of. Um, there was a ferocity about the Millwall fans, etc. But you just you, when you read the book, you understand it was just they're a family, same as every other football club. You know, they are uh, they're just passionate. They're just passionate in one way or another, aren't they? But you get a different kind of angles. You see what I mean? In, in terms of once you, yeah, once you delve into a bit of the history and the story behind them. Oh, absolutely. I, I was uh, listening to a podcast the other dynamic. day. Yeah, with the Portsmouth mm. fans saying how great the Portsmouth uh, fans yeah. are and Fratton yeah. Park's a little grand and we're really passionate. Mm. You know, we're probably the most passionate and iconic fans that, that we have in English football. And I thought, you know, been to the den. Or up to the park. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, Brian really King says that, he says in that book, actually, when his first game, you know, the Millwall fans behind it, he did not have a good game and uh, they told him when, yeah. he, when he was leaving the ground, mm. he was uh, walking out and uh, there's probably a few Millwall fans waiting for him and basically telling him, you need to pick your, you need to get better yeah. or you're, you're not going to be here for long. But he, then after a few games, they loved him because he, he naturally became uh, a bit of a hero there. So Because uh, Alex yeah. Stepney was um, a Millwall goalkeeper, wasn't he? He started there at Millwall. Yeah, yes, that's it. Yeah, played yeah, one game one. for Chelsea, and then got yeah. uh, got sold to Manchester United. Yeah, and I think that Chelsea player, by the way, you were thinking of was it Marvin Hinton? That's the one. That's <laughs> the one. Why that's just well come back done. in the head? Marvin Hinton. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> He's a player alongside Peter Simpson that Audi would yeah. have had instead of Jack Charlton. I gotta say. <laughs> but, uh, but there you go, and I think that yeah. that ties it up nicely. For this month, I think it's been an absolute wonderful, joyous hour and a half. It's all well, it's been wow, yeah, an hour and 34 minutes. So, we've done the game plus injury time as well. (laughs) It's been a yeah, it's just been a great little chat. We will reconvene next month where we will just yeah, just talk books, Andy. Excellent, thank you very much for inviting me on as well. So, yeah, look forward to catching me again. So, uh, I haven't invited you on. It's your podcast. Yes, okay. yes. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So you're, Hours. You're not a guest. You're a <laughs> you're a co-presenter. Thank podcast. you. Thank you. Oh, well, oh, you've 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 put me onto another level now. Co-presenter. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's what we call ourselves, hosts, co-presenters. But it's been, a, as I say, a wonderful hour and a half, mate. Yeah. And I look forward Likewise. to the uh, the next part two of Book Corner, where uh, we're going to be talking about the old coaches, uh, the Hungarians. I also want to touch upon a little bit of international football um, with the Austrian team as well, the wonder team of Austria, because there's a a great book out. Again, I've got, but I haven't read it, um, (laughs) and some great players, because them Austrians really sit nicely in the the pantheons of of footballers 
one of yeah. the top dogs, don't they? What a team Definitely. they were. Definitely. Hugo Meisel, what a manager and coach mm. he was. So till next time, mate, thank you very much, sir, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Good sweet, yeah. All the best, All right. everyone, and happy reading. Cheers. Tell out a bit. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.